0: to the Methods Café podcast. This is season two. In this episode, we are joined by Professor Simon Hoffman. Simon is Professor of Law here at Swansea University, where he researches and teaches in international human rights, and in particular, on social rights and the rights of minorities. He is also the Programme Director of the LLM in Human Rights. <laughs> Welcome, Simon. Hello. So we are especially keen to discuss a report you worked on for the Welsh Government. Uh, it's entitled Strengthening and Advancing Equality and Human Rights in Wales. And I can, I can add the link to the show notes so people can um, look it up. But can you tell us about the methodology that you used to put together this report and any considerations or constraints which guided those kind of cho- choices of methodology, methods, etc.?
1: Yeah, I'm um, happy to do that. Um, Well, the Welsh Government asked us to examine ways to advance and strengthen human rights and equalities uh, through law and policy in Wales. Uh, And as part of that brief, uh, we were asked to take account of the views of key stakeholders on what is already taking place to promote equalities and human rights in Wales and what might need to change. Given the universal nature of human rights in particular, this might have suggested a pan-Wales public consultation. But this would have been obviously impossible and impracticable within the research timescale and given the resources we had available. So we decided to focus on uh, key professional stakeholders and social groups with protected characteristics under. UK equality legislation and we felt justified in taking that approach because uh, those groups in particular are identified beneficiaries or often identified beneficiaries under international human rights treaties. But even though we narrowed our uh, research participants from, in effect, everyone in Wales to certain identified groups, it was still challenging To ensure that we were going to be able to gather all the information we needed in order to formulate recommendations which reflected the experience and expectations of of professionals working in human rights inequalities in wales and people with uh, lived experience but in the end we settled on uh, a mixed methodology uh, in order to ensure that we collated as much data as possible within the time frame from a range of sources so uh uh, as I say, we adopted this mixed methods approach uh, and we focused on professional stakeholders and those with lived experience. When it came to the professional stakeholders, we carried out an online anonymous survey, which we sent out to uh, identified professionals working in human rights and equalities. And we also invited them to forward the links to the survey to anyone they thought might be an appropriate uh, participant. We carried out interviews with professional stakeholders to gain some qualitative data alongside the largely quantitative data we were going to get from the surveys. And in order to sort of, if you like, mop up those that weren't involved in the interviews, we carried out a series of workshops with uh, professional stakeholders. We also took the step of uh, having been invited to do so. We decided to attend forums coordinated by the Welsh Government on race, disability, older people and faith in order to gather, again, the views of professionals working in those sectors on human rights and quality. So those are the methods we adopted for professional stakeholders. We did something similar uh, in relation to those we have lived experience, again, Uh, We put out an online survey and we put that survey out through an organisation that was one of the uh, organisations involved in the research, Diverse Cymru, uh, because they already had, if you like, a mailing list which they could use to engage people with lived experience in the survey. Diverse Cymru carried out uh, interviews with people with lived experience uh, and protected characteristics for us. And they carried out a series of um, online engagement events. We wanted to do um, in-person engagement events, but the research was carried out during the um, COVID pandemic. And so we had to move a lot of our, what would have been in-person events online. We also worked with an organization called Young Wales, who carried out focus groups for children and young people uh, as well. So that's how we gathered the data from people with lived experience
0: well there's there's a lot there that I think is going to be really useful for our students actually and anyone thinking about their research project uh, we've been talking a lot this week actually about this idea that you know often you have to gather your data gather your evidence and you want it to be the best possible data to answer your research questions but within the constraints of time and resources that you have access to so that that is definitely going to be a very good illustration <laughs> the other thing you mentioned is I guess the all of these stakeholders that were key really in order to access your participants and I think this is something that any of our students who are thinking of doing an empirical piece of work really need to think about is you know who are those key stakeholders and will they be able to recruit participants within the time that they have available etc so Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much for that. You're Um,
1: welcome.
0: Human rights, at first glance, might seem like an area for more kind of traditional, theoretical, doctrinal, uh, we, we also refer to as legal scholarship. So this project in particular collected this very wide range of empirical data. What do you see as the value of empirical studies in law?
1: I think my response to this question reflects my particular interest in uh, social and economic human rights. But I imagine that it would be the same if I were working on civil and political rights. Um, It seems to me that human rights are about meeting the basic fundamental needs of of people and communities, including, um, in particular, those who find themselves socially, economically, uh, or physically uh, vulnerable and therefore more likely to be um, or to experience dis- disadvantage and marginalisation when it comes to things like access to key services such as health, education, housing, and social care, all of which are covered by socioeconomic uh, human rights. And human rights place duties on government to fulfil uh, people's rights to access services of that type. And so it seems to me only logical that if you want to set out to examine whether or not governments and states are meeting their duties when it comes to human rights and what they might need to do to improve access uh, to human rights. You need to hear from the people uh, who are experiencing or or not experiencing human rights day to day in their lives. Uh, And on that basis, it seems to me uh, that empirical research is not only uh, desirable, but also inevitable when it comes, and an obvious choice for, for human rights researchers. So I, I'm not sure I'd necessarily agree that human rights seems to be a topic where yeah. it might be about doctrinal research, but that might just be my experience. I, I, I've always approached human rights uh, research from an empirical perspective. Yeah,
0: yeah, maybe that is a reflection of my own assumption about <laughs> human rights research rather than anything else. Brilliant. Great. Uh, this report has includes a, a range of important findings. Uh, some findings about the role of human rights and equality legislation in Wales, then how these laws are incorporated, particularly within this context of Welsh devolution, how they are implemented and monitored through these impact assessments, how and whether people can actually hold Welsh government accountable for their equality and, and, and human rights. And also the importance of ensuring that people know how and just des- well they know and understand their rights in order to in fact uh, hold governments to account. So there's there's a lot there that I think will be of, of interest uh, uh, for those who want to 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 read on after the, the podcast. But which finding from this research did you find most surprising and why?
1: I have to say um, a, a lot of this research uh, took well. All of the research took place against a background of a long leader to the research project itself Uh, and a lot of those that were involved as participants in the research are are those that have been uh, long involved in human rights and equality in wales and were very familiar to myself and the other researchers Uh, and to some extent it, it would have been surprising if there'd been surprises but having said that One finding I think that was surprising to me, not so much a finding, but something that emerged from the research was that there was a degree of uh, scepticism about the role of law in promoting and protecting human rights and equality. And I think from my understanding of the evidence that perhaps some of that arises from experience and a certain weariness amongst professionals and those with lived experience about the persistence of inequality in society, despite over a decade of equalities legislation in the UK. And that was surprising for me, because uh, my uh, research on the international experience of legislation in relation to human rights is it can be effective to promote and protect human rights. And also, it was surprising because Wales has some positive experience of legislation to protect human rights, uh, in particular in the field of children's rights. Uh, And I think perhaps, uh, or maybe the takeaway for me from that experience of the researcher and and that sort of surprising finding emerging from the evidence was that as a researcher, I perhaps need to do more to disseminate my own research on the benefits of law and legislation to promote rights, and in particular, to to relevant and key stakeholders. I also think it's a kind of lesson that it's worth reminding ourselves of from time to time is is don't go into research with any assumptions. Uh, And I think, (laughs) you know, follow the evidence, don't follow uh, your previous research or or your fixed ideas on, you know, for example, in my case, the law of legislation to promote and protect human rights
0: brilliant that's great and i think that probably qualifies as a top tip
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Research. <laughs> I, I actually have another i thought about this sarah and i have a another top tip which kind of relates to something you said a few moments ago about um, engaging stakeholders uh, i mean do you want me to to go on and give you my or one of my top tips. Yes, please. Uh, well, I think I think it is about um, working in the field generally of human rights and human rights research, and I think particularly when it comes to research which is about um, putting forward recommendations uh, which relate to practice or registration or policy. I think you need to, um, as a as a researcher, engage with communities of interest, and I think. In order to do that, you need to be involved in things like human rights networks, Um, you you need to speak at conferences, which are not just academic conferences, the conferences which are practitioner conferences, you need to engage with those communities and connect with those groups, and I think that's particularly important when it comes to research, because very often Professional stakeholders, for example, or representative groups such as Diverse Cumbria, which is the group we work with, or or Young Wales, which is a group we work with when it comes to uh, young people. They're the trusted gatekeepers. They provide access to uh, marginalised and disadvantaged groups. Uh, And they're best placed to uh, persuade those groups to engage uh, with research. And that was certainly beneficial for our research. I don't think we'd have got the kind of participant response that we got from those with lived experience if we hadn't reached out via those uh, those groups and those networks. And also um, those stakeholders, those professional stakeholders, those representative groups, uh, they know their client groups and they can help develop methods and put forward methods which are going to be most effective to get the evidence that you as a researcher need to inform your research. So I think my one of my top tips would certainly be Think in advance about the kind of networks, the kind of connections, the kind of relationships uh, that you might need when your big research project comes along, where you need to engage with uh, people with lived experience, communities of interest, those with protected characteristics.
0: Great. Fantastic. I think that is a great tip. And that's it. We have come to the end of our discussion. Thank you very much for joining us in the Methods Cafe.
1: You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye now. Bye.